Imagine booking your LL flight to Israel, your hotel, rental car, and tours from the comfort of your own home or office within minutes and saving up to 20% to boot. All that and more is now reality at LL Vacations. Now, for Arut Sheva listeners only, order a flight and hotel in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv through the Arut Sheva site and get a free cell phone with 60 minutes to use absolutely free. Click on the banner on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. Folks, it's great to have you here today. You're on the Noahide Nation Show, and I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson. And I've got my friend and colleague and co-host with me, of course, Mr. Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how are we doing, my friend? Well, I'm doing well, Ray. Uh, it's a windy day up here in uh, Nova Scotia. Actually, uh, it's been windy the last few days, and... They're uh, forecasting uh, rain for the next five. So, well, I think I think some of that wind is probably coming from Texas, from all the people <laughs> hooping and hollering with the Texas Rangers having won the American League championship and on their way to the World Series. So <laughs> that's probably where some of that wind's coming from. <laughs> now, which sport is that in? Because I, <laughs> it's in baseball. <laughs> Baseball, okay. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't have that in Canada, do you? You have, you have uh, hockey, hockey, and uh, also hockey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You know, um, uh, Reggie Jackson. Uh, is it Reggie, Reggie Jackson? No. Used to play for the Yankees, retired now? Uh, yeah. No, I think I know, I'm getting I, the wrong guy. I, I, well, I don't know. Robinson. Reggie Jackson Ro- did hit uh, a home run during the World Series that landed in Nova Scotia, though. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, you know, see, here's I'm just revealing my ignorance about uh, about uh, these sporting events, um, but it's not Reggie Jackson because uh, he's a more recent ball player. It was actually was it Robinson was uh, the first uh, uh, black ball player in the Jackie American Robinson, long, long Jackie time Robinson. Ago. Yeah. Well, he, he got his he got his big break in baseball here in Canada before he played in the U.S. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he played for Montreal. Uh, so anyway, um, <clears throat> but anyway, you guys, that's, that's you guys, where the wind's you, coming from. <laughs> you, you guys, you guys, uh, you know. So so baseball is up here in Canada, and it's been up here for a while. I guess was really my point, and uh, so. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> and, and, maybe, and maybe making other subtle points in between the lines. So anyway, but this here is not why we're here today. Uh, to, oh, it's uh, not. You know, well, that's right. We're not ESPN. To celebrate baseball. This is no, that's, this is that's Noah right. Hyde Nations, and uh, <laughs> we've got a show we've got to do. Well, yeah, so. our contract with uh, ESPN is still in negotiation. So, uh. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, the we... hang-up is me because <laughs> I don't know anything about sports. So, well, I anyway. think we do have a very good show uh, today. Uh, oftentimes, mm-hmm. this subject is. You know, it's a little bit difficult at times, but you know, I'm really hoping that we're going to be able to uh, do this in a very, very positive way because at the end of the day when we realize what this is all about, it is a very positive thing for mankind, for Hashem's creation, and for us as, as individuals. 
and it's very important in, in that regard, though uh, when I first mention it, people's hearts are going to kind of shrivel up and we're going to get uh, a couple frowns, but you know, let's go ahead and do it anyway because it is significant and there is no better time to be doing that than right now at this point in history where we are at today. Today. And that, my friends, is Zedeka. And I'm talking about Zedeka overall. Now, you know, I know in English and, uh, you know, particularly here in America, the translation for the word Zedeka oftentimes is you hear the word charity, which is only a part of Zedeka. It is a big part. And, you know, we're going to kind of uh, discuss some of that today. And, you know, that's kind of the big question is, you know, what is the difference between charity and Zedekah? Or is there a difference? Uh, I guess for most of us, or for many of us Noahides who come out of uh, the, the Christian tradition, uh, the, the, the Christian religion, there's that uh, uh, text in the New Testament where it says, now these things remain faith, hope, and charity was always the word that was used, but then it got changed to love in more modern translations. And so it kind of has this ambiguous definition to it of it's just, it's about being nice to people, charity, right. being, <laughs> being charitable, being kind. And, right. And, uh, and, and so, of course, when we, when we introduce the Hebrew word tzedakah, then we have to address kind of the root of the word because that's tied integrally to the meaning of tzedakah. So, right. It truly is. Yeah. And so, of course, uh, when we're so when we're dealing with the English language, that's always the problem we run into. Is not only are we using a good English word for uh, the Hebrew word as a descriptive, but also some of the ways that we use the English word or have used the English word sometimes affects or influences how we then understand the word charity, which then causes us to misunderstand the meaning of it when it relates to tzedakah. So. Right. Well, and I know here in America, any, anyway, uh, we we tend to live in a what I call a, a fast food society, and, mm. and so it's very quick and simple to uh, define zedeka and translate it into charity, because right. charity can be used globally if it's understood properly. Zedeka, in fact, many of the words in Hebrew really represent entire concepts rather than just a, a straight word-for-word -word translation. Uh, for right. example, tshuva is, is one of those. You know, we would translate that in the English language as repentance. Well, tshuva mm -hmm. is an entire process. It's not just a, a prayer seeking God's forgiveness. And, in fact, you can't even do it that way. The process requires that, that if you've hurt an individual, you must go and get forgiveness from them first before you can mm. even go to God. But my point is is that many of the, the Hebrew words convey entire concepts similar to, say, the word Thanksgiving here in America. When you say the word Thanksgiving, your mind conjures up a turkey and a, you know dressing and mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and family and football. All of and what's this wrong is, with that? You no, know, absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's all conjured up though as a result of one word, Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. And so th this is what the term zedeka is as well. And mm -hmm. we're going to try and touch on this. And I'd like to kind of start off with the Jewish people. 
I, you got to love the Jewish people. I mean, I, I absolutely love them. And here's another instance of of a, a reason to really love these people. I mean, there's so many, it's it's countless, and we're only going to be able to touch on a few here today. But for, for Jewish people, well, in fact, let me put it this way. Did you know, Prescott, that they give at least 10% of their income to charity? Were you aware of that? Well, yes, I, uh, along the way, of course, uh, as, as I came to appreciate Torah and, and looked at Judaism, and, and of course that's one thing that you can't help but discover as you're looking at anything about Torah is the importance of tzedakah, and so consequently, yeah, it's this, this, uh, this very clear practice, uh, that is begun very early in life where they teach their children to give. And so, yeah, it's the, uh, the, that word that many of us are familiar with, the, the tithing. Right. Is, is, is what we call, uh, called it when we were in the church. And well, so. it's interesting how they actually teach the children because they don't actually teach them about the giving, but what they do is actually teach probably something that's more important is in the hmm. act of receiving. Because, uh, the, the, the youth basically are, are out continually going door to door, you know, routinely collecting for various worthy causes. Okay, right. So right. Y- you can kind of see how the mental mandate, the mm-hmm. you know the heart condition uh, becomes this idea of giving because in their youth they were kind of responsible for going out and asking to receive that giving. But you know I found it uh, uh, amazing and you know a lot of the the Jewish people that you talk to even ones that aren't what you call real religious just almost religiously give 10% of their income to charity. In fact, uh, many, many of these families actually have a uh, a box that they have, and I, I can't remember the, the word, uh, uh, a pushke, pushke, something like that. And what they do is actually use it for collecting coins uh, for the poor. Mm. And, you know, heck, routinely... All of us come home at the end of the day usually with some coins in our pocket, some leftover change mm-hmm. from the day. And what they do is they put it in this box, and uh, at a certain point they, you know, give it to the poor. But I, f- mm-hmm. I found, you know, this to be rather amazing. And as in Torah, the Jews, you know, really protect and, and represent Torah, and and we should really be emulating them in in a great many ways. In fact, you know, statistically, and you know how I am with statistics, I always always try to do a little homework to support these these comments. But I found that uh, Business Week. In uh, 2006, they they put out a list of the 50 most generous philanthropists. Believe it or not, 15 of them were Jews. Also, the Chronicle of Philanthropy uh, uh, put together a list of the top 50 charitable donors in 2008. This list included 16 Jews. And it's it's amazing when you go through the number of statistics. Uh, it actually works out that uh, you know the, the when you look at it, the Jewish people are probably you know what two to three percent. I mean three percent is probably high of the number of of uh, Americans you know in our, in our overall country's mm-hmm. population, and yet they provide thirty percent of you know America's most generous donors. Thirty percent mm-hmm. of them are the Jewish people. It's truly amazing. In fact, they did a study that was reported in the Jewish Journal, and they found that 25.5% of all 
what they refer to as mega donors. These are people who donate more than $10 million a year to charity are Jewish people, 24.5% of them. You know, I wish I could be part of that statistic, but you know, unfortunately, I, I you know, I'm not there. I need to win the lottery every year, and I haven't even run, won my first one yet. But nonetheless, these are folks that are giving ten million dollars a year. Nearly twenty five percent of them are the Jewish people. Hmm. So it's it's truly uh, amazing. You know, a lot of folks you know tend to think that the Jewish people are very frugal with their money, almost to the point of being cheap. When in reality, it's the exact opposite. They are frugal because they are good stewards with God's money and are giving it to uh, important causes, important charities to help others. But, you know, that kind of really does beg the question, why are Jews such great givers? I mean, why do you, why do you think they're such great givers? Give me, give me a guess off the top of your head. <laughs> uh, it's in... Well, it's genetically, uh, you know, it's a D- DNA thing. No, uh, I, Actually, I mean, I suspect is. that. <laughs> well, I suspect that probably um, it, it's connected to because anybody that is, my understanding, or at least uh, what I've heard, uh, is that anybody who considers himself uh, a Jew today um, has at least a grandparent who was Torah observant mm-hmm. because after, after after just a few generations of not observing Torah they generally they don't fit that mold like they're no longer uh, they no longer represent or or stand for Judaism in in the public space right so so anyone who still is considered a Jew probably had significant influence through the, the practice of their grandparents and their parents. Well, and, I would guess. and that's exactly right. And, and the short answer would be, be oh. because of, would be because of Torah and the traditions that were inspired yeah. by Hashem's Torah. Right. In fact, in many ways, the charitable donation is uh, taking the place of animal sacrifice in the life of, of mm-hmm. Jewish people. Giving to charity is almost an instinctive response. Uh, it's a, it's a you know an, an expression of of thanks. Uh, it's a, a, an expression to to ask forgiveness from God. Uh, in fact, even in uh, the standard mourner's prayer, it actually includes a statement that the mourner will make a donation to charity in memory mm-hmm. of the deceased. So giving is. Almost like, like you say, it's almost like DNA because I believe that you study Torah enough, long enough, generation after generation after generation, and certainly these folks have had, you know, a few thousand years experience. Mm-hmm. It could, in essence, you could say it becomes part of the DNA. At a minimum, spiritual DNA. Even if it's not mm-hmm. physical DNA, but the acts uh, of, of giving in the physical would almost seem like it is genetic. It's actually well, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. I. Th- I think that the two, what we what we learn about our the relationship between our behavior and and how we essentially program our brain. That if we continue to persist in a particular behavior, we develop particular areas of the brain associated with that behavior. And if we're neglecting other behaviors or not doing certain things, then part then our brain isn't really, you know, developing along those lines. So certainly generation after generation, that begins to impact, you know, kind of the the DNA of or the the uh, uh 
the areas that one would become more adept in, which if you're continuing to give yourself to study of Torah, right. to the practice of giving of charity, all of this stuff is is connected. And, and certainly uh, I could see that taking on over a period of time, uh, even if we believe in uh, some amount of evolution, uh, that at some point that begins to affect the development of a group of people committed to uh, living that way. So I think there's uh, a lot of truth when we hear the uh, statement that you are your environment. Like you say, if you're raised in that environment, mm-hmm. it almost becomes part of your essence. Uh, mm-hmm. What's you know really fascinating about this, and there's many aspects of this that are fascinating, but I mentioned you know spiritual DNA. Did you know that uh, according to Jewish tradition, the spiritual benefit of giving charity is so great. In fact, if you're giving to a poor person, uh, you know somebody who's who's begging for for help, that the beggar is actually doing the giver a favor by giving a person the opportunity to perform zedekah. It's remarkable, and it's you know very much uh, you know if you look at it, it's almost like a symbiotic relationship that. Mm-hmm. That there are poor, so that those who can give do give, and and it's you know part of what mankind is is supposed to be because when you get right down to it, we're supposed to emulate our Creator. And mm-hmm. what is the single most thing that the Creator does? It would be give. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He yep. he gives life. He can't take anything. Exactly. Yeah, he, he 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 can only give. And I mean, even that's putting him in a in a box, so to speak. And I don't really mean to do that because you know you can't even imagine what infinity is and beyond. Mm-hmm. But Hashem gives, and we are to emulate that. In fact, uh, not only did He in the first you know seven days give us creation, but He gives every day. If He were to pull His shall I say spiritual sustenance from us, we would cease to exist. So it's mm-hmm. it's a constantly giving, and that's what we are to emulate as well. And I think the the Jewish people, boy, uh, if there's a if there's a better example, I'd like to see who it is. And in fact, quite possibly, we should all emulate it so much that we become better at giving than the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what the world w- would be in that case? That's you know I don't even know if I can get my head around it, but in any event, <laughs> seeing as we have a lot of folks here that are, are non-Jewish, and I would have to believe that a, a lot, in fact, majority of our audience is probably non-Jewish. They're Noahides and you know Gentiles. Let's you know explore this idea and this opportunity of being charitable and giving, and you know let's uh, maybe start off with the meaning of the word zedeka. It's not as basic as, as one might think, and, and yet it is. As I mentioned, the English translation is uh, generally charity, you know, giving aid, um, you know, assistance, money to, to the poor and to the needy and to other worthy causes. However, the nature of Zedekah is very much different than this whole idea of charity. When you think about charity, it kind of suggests, uh, you know, benevolence and, you know, generosity and, you know, an act that's you know, generally performed by wealthy and powerful for the benefit of the poor and, and, and needy. But the word zedeka actually means righteousness, justice, or fairness. 
in Torah, giving to the poor is not viewed as a generous, magnanimous act. It is simply an act of justice and righteousness. The performance of a duty giving the poor their due, I guess. I mean, they need help, and it's our responsibility for those who can help to help. Well, let's let's actually read a, a couple of uh, verses from uh, from Torah that actually address that. Excellent, issue. excellent. Uh, in Deuteronomy fifteen seven, it says, "If there will be a poor man among you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand toward your poor brother. You shall open your hand to him and shall give him enough for his needs." And then in Leviticus twenty five and thirty five, if your brother becomes poor, you shall support him, stranger or settler and he shall live with you. And so it, it's a very clear statement in the Torah that this this uh, support, this giving, is uh, a fulfillment of a mitzvah in uh, the Torah. And we're required to do it. Just simply, uh, and, and understand that this is part of, the, part of the 613 commandments given to Israel. But uh, as Noahides, we look at, I mean, one of the, one of the, the largest... One of the commandments that requires the largest amount of investigation, to a certain degree, is this: the law uh, concerning the prohibition of theft. Right. Because charity, or tzedakah, is the anecdote, or is the fix for theft. It's it's the positive it's side. The, it's the positive, right? It's the positive act of the act of theft, the positive side of that, in the same way that the positive side of taking a life, murder, is to protect life and to and to guard life, uh, the positive aspect of theft is uh, aesthetica, is is and it is connected to this idea of justice because the very uh, the very Hebrew word, the root that it comes from, is tzedek, right? Which Noah was a tzedek, right? So he. And and so that's integrally connected to that word uh, uh, for righteous. Exactly. Which is why which is why it's also connected to the idea of sacrifice and why why in light of the fact that there's no longer a temple, it's still that it's uh, that charity has become so important is because it does reflect that whole idea of our uh, of our atoning through the giving, in the same way that they would give in the temple. We now, you know, we now do this through the gifts to the poor, through helping those who are in need. So, right. Well, in short, another verse uh, would be Deuteronomy uh, Devarim 16 and verse 20, where it says, "Zedek, Zedek, you shall pursue," which basically translates as "justice, justice, you shall pursue." Right. So, there's this mm-hmm. basic human responsibility to reach out. To others, the giving of your time, giving of your your money, is a statement that I will do whatever I can to help. And boy, oh boy, I see that we are banging up against the the bottom of the hour. We need to get out of here before we get in big time trouble, folks. You need to stick around with us because we got a great second half to this show on Zedica. Please stick around. We'll catch you on the other side. Kidashta, the personal touch, invite everyone to their two exciting stores. 
one in the heart of Jerusalem, and one in Moreim, Kidashta. The personal touch is the epitome of elegant style and service. Sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, talitot, mezuzot, and much more. And also features a full boutique wine department specializing in Israeli wines. And, of course, everything is available online at Judaica 4 u Judaica, the numeral 4 and the letter U.com. Arad's Sheba is a station which I have admired for many, many years, and I just want to close by saying what an honor it is to be on this program. Arad Sheba is the one station in Israel that calls the shots as it sees them. You're listening to Aut Sheba, Israel National Radio. Aut Sheba features daily podcast, video, live programs on current events, Torah, culture, and more. Check it out at IsraelNationalRadio.com. Shalom and welcome back, everybody. Uh, Prescott and I appreciate you sticking around for this very important show that we're doing uh, today and may ultimately have to roll it into next week. I'm just not sure we're going to try to get in as much as we can, but uh, the teachings on Zedekah are far and wide and deep, so to do it in an hour is <laughs> impossible, if, if, if I could say that. It, it truly is. When we left the show in such a hurry, we we kind of uh, we left it. This whole idea of righteousness, the whole idea of zedekah, it literally means righteousness and you know doing the right thing. So therefore, when you hear the word zadik, this likewise is a righteous person, mm-hmm. someone who fulfills his obligations. You know, and a zadik who does this, whether they want to or not, they fulfill mm-hmm. these obligations. So it's it's very important that we are like a Zadik, that, that we too can become righteous, and this is one of the means uh, by which uh, we we can you know do this. Uh, in fact, some of the sages have said that Zedekah is the highest of all commandments, equal to all of them combined, and that a person who does not perform Zedekah is equivalent to an idol worshiper. Hmm. Now that's that's, that's a pretty, pretty serious. It's a pretty serious <laughs> statement. It it truly is. But when you when you start thinking about it, not only the importance of it to mankind and to to our fellow man, but the fact that we also derive spiritual benefit ourselves for doing it. But we also, in giving, emulate our Creator, mm-hmm. and therefore are are drawing ourselves closer to our, our creator. Now, this whole idea of it you know, <laughs> being equal to all of them combined or you know, even higher than, than all of them combined, it you know, may be a bit of an exaggeration, but uh, it does illustrate the importance of Zedekah in Torah thinking. Zedekah is one of the three acts that gain us forgiveness from our sins. On the high holy days, you know, in the, the Jewish liturgy, liturgy, it repeatedly states that God has inscribed a judgment against all who have sinned. Hmm. So, if, you know, if it's for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles also. But guess what, my friends? Teshuva, or short translation, repentance, as well as tefillah, prayer, and zedekah, giving, can alleviate this decree against us as far as this judgment. Mm-hmm. That's how significant Zedekah is. Why do you think, then, 
that uh, uh, obviously it was said with reason the idea that perhaps uh, Zedekiah is equivalent to all of the commands. Why? Why would? Uh, I mean, they don't. They're not given to hyperbole for hyperbole's sake. They don't just make a, 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 that kind of statement simply to make it sound bigger than what it is. At the at the root of it, there has to be a reason for why they would see this. Like I, I guess I'm sort of looking at it, and not that we're going to do an, not that we're going to dig deep under this particular uh, point, because um, I know that there's a lot of area that we have to to cover here. But it would seem to me that the reason, or one of the reasons, why maybe they place such an important um, uh, such an important emphasis, or, or we're willing to say that it's as important as all of the other Torah commands combined, is because there are probably there were probably times in their own history when people weren't being good to the poor. We read this; uh, the prophets actually spoke out against the fact that you know you, they were busy performing so many other. Uh, mitzvot, but when it actually came to caring for the poor, they didn't do it. When it came to looking after the widows and the orphans, they weren't doing it. And this was really uh, to to forget them in the midst of doing other mitzvot was really losing sight of what the Torah was about. Because you know, as as as, as I think sometimes we can uh, imagine that. There are probably a lot of, uh, not that there's any commandment that we shouldn't do, but there are probably a lot of commands that we find very easy to do because it's between us and Hashem, and, uh, and, and, and therefore we get the benefit of knowing that we did it and that we're pleasing Hashem and so on and so forth. But the minute that we have to start giving of our wealth and of our money to <laughs> other people, particularly right. if we, if we take on the perception that, Maybe this person deserved to be in the position they in, uh, they're in because they've been foolish with their money, or they they weren't responsible, or this here is Hashem's way of punishing them for past sins and so on and so forth. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we can concoct uh, that we can create our in our mind to not give to those in need. Oh yeah. In fact, that was that frown I was talking about at the <laughs> onset of the show. <laughs> when, when it comes to giving your own wealth, oh boy, it yeah. takes on a, a, a whole new life. It's it's suddenly different. Right. Um, but just think, why do they use the word sacrifice? <laughs> I mean, mm. it, it's, it's supposed to mean something. When Hashem teaches about the animals in which you uh, sacrifice, how does He describe them? He describes them as being perfect, without mm. blemish. So, right. in other words, it's the best of the best in your herd is what you give as a sacrifice. Sacrifice meaning, I am giving the best I have. I'm sacrificing that. Mm. And we do, too, when we give of our time which is of value, a give of our knowledge, experience, our wisdom, and also our money. Mm-hmm. These are all very important aspects that we need to, to keep in mind because when you, when you really think about it, you know, Zedekiah is, is uh, an aspect to get us back to Hashem. You know, the, those three things that I mentioned that 
alleviate the decree of, of judgment against us, repentance mm. provided by Hashem. And what is repentance? To do, uh, to do tshuva, we, uh, we repent to the person, one of God's creations that we may have hurt. Mm-hmm. And if it was a sin against God, then we go to God. So teshuva, it involves God and or one of his creation. Same with uh, a prayer. We can pray for other people, but we also pray to Hashem. Mm-hmm. Same with Zedekah. When we give to our fellow man, we emulate Hashem who is giving to us mm-hmm. to sustain our very lives this very moment. You know, you start digging even at a little depth, you can really see mm-hmm. the, the value of this and why some some would actually believe it to be one of the, the highest forms of commandment that, that you can do. Interestingly enough, and this I've always had trouble with too, you know, kind of going back to what you say about having to, to give of our wealth, uh, we'll call it wealth. In Jewish law, it, it's required that they give uh, one-tenth of their income to, to the poor. This is generally interpreted as one-tenth of their net income after whatever country you're in, uh, after payment of your taxes. They basically believe the taxes themselves do not fulfill the obligation of giving zedekah, even though you know a significant portion of the taxes might actually be given to help provide for the poor and the needy. At least that's what we're told and that's what is written on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, you know, here in America anyway. Uh, but, you know, that tells us that, you know, taxes isn't enough. And, you know, I used to have difficulty with that. And you think about places like Europe where they tax so exceedingly high. It's, you know, how do you have the money to survive? Because that's also uh, another thing. They say that the Torah says you should only give as much as 20%. Yeah, because if you start giving more and more, you may find yourself putting yourself into a situation of needing Zedekah, which would all have been by your hand. Mm. And, and, you know, so, so generosity does have its limits, at least in Hashem's uh, eyes and, and, and in Torah. Well, and, and that, and I think that that 20% limit is really to curb our own you know, our own nature that, uh, you know, there are some people who actually, I think, let me say this carefully, uh, I think that they actually get um, a buzz. They actually get, um, uh, they, they equate the feeling that they get from, from giving charity to spirituality. Like this here is a, you know, uh, you know that they, they, they give a gift and it makes them feel so good and they just keep giving and giving it to the point that uh, they give well over the 20%. But they see that as being an okay thing when, I mean, really part of the whole thing that we learn from Torah is about that, we, that we're supposed to be doing things. Everything is about moderation. Everything is about, I shouldn't say everything is about moderation. Everything is about the middle road. But we're not supposed to be given into excesses because that's always where we get into problems. Right, and yep. that's also where the idolatry comes in. Yeah, you know, exactly. Normally, so. we think of idolatry as praying to a you know piece of wood or worshiping yeah. a piece of wood or something like that. When in reality, giving can become an idolatrous act because you are you are like is in your words gaining a buzz from mm. doing it. 
so much so that you want to keep getting that, that you keep giving more and more and more and more, and now the idolatry comes in the giving yeah. rather than the purpose of. In fact, you know, it's always been fascinating to me too when you know people give millions and millions of dollars to uh, erect a hospital. You know, here I'm going to give you uh, all of this money and I want you to build a, a hospital with it. Uh, oh, and if you decide to name it after me, that's okay too. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so another form of idolatry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's also kind of interesting. You mentioned the word tithe. 10% is the word tithe. Tithe is, is 10. Yeah. It's meaning one tenth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of folks kind of look at tithe as a, as a bad word, but it's truly not for a lot of reasons, uh, obviously. And we have an obligation to become Zadiks, to become righteous in, in the eyes of Hashem. And uh, this is one of the ultimate ways, because we are indeed emulating our Creator. Right. So it's it's you know vitally important. So you know again it's it's uh, you know the, the question how much do I give? It's you, you need to to give ten percent if you go to <laughs> yeah sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you you go with the ten percent and you go to a maximum of twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean from time to time that you can't give more than that? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't. What it means is don't be doing it habitually, where it becomes a habit, where it becomes all about you giving more than twenty percent, because then it becomes about you and not about the act of giving and not about uh, emulating uh, Hashem and emulating His Torah, doing His Torah. That is what it is all about. And of course. Many of us you know, know where this word tithe came from, and and this ten percent. <laughs> One of them is very prominent in my mind. It's when Abraham gave Melchizedek one tenth of all of his possessions, one tenth of everything that he had, and so that's where you know part of this, uh, shall we call it a law comes from. But at the time, Abraham was, was a Noahide. He was yeah. observing the Noahide laws, as was Jacob when uh, he vowed to give one-tenth of all his future acquisitions to Hashem. In uh, uh, Genesis uh, 29 uh, 22, I believe. Uh, Genesis 29 and 22. Uh, and in fact, even in Hashem's teaching us about the sacrifices, Part of those sacrifices are mandated ties to support the Levites, the people right. who are taking care of basically Hashem's work, taking care of the temple, taking care mm-hmm. of, of, of doing Hashem's work, which is also another very interesting parallel to that. It's uh, uh, the supporting of, in essence, Torah, because who was doing the teaching of Torah? It would have been the uh, Levites. Not only did they take care of the temple, but they studied and taught mm-hmm. to keep people uh, following the Torah and learning more of how to follow it and the right ways to follow it. So mm-hmm. it's you know an interesting parallel, and we can kind of you know get into that. I don't know if we'll be able to get on it 
today or uh, next week, but there's some uh, interesting uh, uh, parallels uh, that Torah teaches us about this very thing. You know, not just donating to organizations, but uh, or I should say not just donating to individuals, but rather donating to organizations that do Hashem's work. And there's a glowing example that I'd love to share today, but I really don't think we're going to have time to, to cover it all. So we may have to do that and, and save it for, for next week. Huh, Prescott? I think you know what I'm talking about. Part two. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it seems we're on, you know, charity. One of the big questions is, you know, who do, who do you, who do I give it to? And as I mentioned, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, organizations. Yeah, Prescott's raising his hand. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about, you know, organizations, uh, uh, next week, but Maimonides, and, and I've always enjoyed, uh, the Rambam in, in his discussion on a charity. In fact, Maimonides wrote that even a poor person who lives entirely on Zedeka must also give Zedeka to another. Right. That is how important Zedekah is. Now, yeah. this idea of somebody living on, on Zedekah uh, entirely is kind of a tough thing to, you know, to swallow, but, you know, there are some who do out of necessity, others who do not so much out of necessity. Well, well and I think uh, that this year's, um, I think it's a, a, a good, uh, topic to discuss this I- uh, idea because what we're really seeing, uh, at least I know in uh, in America, is a conversation uh, about uh, what responsibility does the citizenry have for financially supporting those who have less than them. Uh, I think the, the the language that is sometimes used uh, by the critics of uh, this move towards socialism is uh, the word that they use is redistribution of wealth right and uh when when you do, when you read that even the poor are supposed to give tzedakah um it it kind of flies in the face of of this effort um to uh essentially uh put higher taxation higher obligation on the wealthy uh and remove all obligation from the poor in terms of the support of the state and things that the state is responsible for caring for and as you mentioned earlier when we look at what's happening in uh, Europe right now and uh uh and some of the protesting going on because right. Uh, the government had is has decided to raise. I think it was the uh, the French government uh, decided to raise the retirement age from 60 to 62. Right, which just sounds funny in itself. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my goodness, we have to work two more years. Yeah, and it's caused <laughs> riots in the streets. And it's caused riots in the streets because you know it, they they live with this kind of uh, entitlement mentality. That uh, you know, uh, you know, you you they go to uh, university. They come out when they're 25, 30 years old. They work for 20 years, uh, 30 years, and then uh, expect the the state to look after them. And uh, this, to me, 
seems to go contrary to the responsibility that the Torah obligates us to for looking after ourselves and for making sure that we take care of ourselves, that we're the ones who are supposed to be responsible for uh, our future needs. Uh, we're not supposed to be throwing that off on uh, the rest of society to uh, you know, support us in our old age. Right. But we've gotten to that point where people live and they now expect that and they now spend... Uh, they spend their money uh, largely in part. I, I mean, if you knew you had to support yourself for 20 years after you didn't think you'd be able to or didn't want to work anymore, and you had to raise the money yourself, you wouldn't be spending your money right now on half the things that you buy. You'd be squirreling it away. You'd be putting it into either investments or or creating your own investment by starting a business that you hope is going to grow into something that's going to support you in your old age. Yeah, like generations and, did before us. Like generations <laughs> did before us. Right. Uh, but now we spend all of our money right now. All of our paychecks are gone, and we're we're living on the edge of poverty ourselves. We just don't realize it because we're living on credit. And we're, we do so in the back of our mind thinking, you know, well, when, when I can't work anymore, the state's going to look after me. And, uh, you know, this is something that we really need to combat um, in terms of our own thinking. Right. Uh, be- because I think it is related to how we view money and the value that we place on money and, and also how we, uh, you know, in-, in terms of what we are willing to give in, in the form of tzedakah to those in need, uh, we do so often in the back of our mind with, you know, well, what are my needs? And, and, and can I really afford to give to other people when I have so many needs myself? And, you know, and so anyway, that's, uh, it, it, I think that it, uh, I think that at least in North America with the, with the political, uh, environment that exists there, that, that this is an important, it's an important thing to understand about our own responsibility, both in terms of looking after ourselves and the responsibility that we have to the poor, not through the kinds of, uh, you know, not through the kinds of government, uh, institutions or government's, uh, programs that are running. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to say we should cancel all of, all of those. But at least when, in the day, back in the day when we, there was more personal involvement, that it was more, uh, more connected to, if you needed help, you went to a local, you went to the local church, you went to the local synagogue, you went to the people locally to get that support. And, and, and there's no way that they would put up with that for, uh, you know, for, for a long, long term. And I can see that we ran up against the clock. So we're going to have to carry this over into our next show, I think. I believe so. so There's just so much to cover on this on this subject. But, uh, yeah. you know, kind of touching on what you said, it is absolute proof uh, that socialism doesn't work. That which the government yeah. gives you, the government can take away. If they're giving you, you have handed over your freedom. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what's going on in Europe and about to go on here in, in the United States. And hopefully we'll be able to bring that to an end. But anyway, folks, it's been wonderful to be with you today and to talk about uh, uh, this subject of Zetica. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. And we'll continue our exploration because there's a lot of great things that the Rambam said that we want to touch on, which are the eight levels 
of charity. So, folks, good to have you with us. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, Shavua Tov. Shalom. A study at the Urological Clinic in the Soroka Hospital in Israel found that those taking Apuncha capsules experience significant relief from bladder or urinary problems. Don't just suffer. Contact the Priso Company for natural herbal remedies. Made from the Apuncha flower grown right here in Israel. Visit their website at www.priso.com. www.priso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O dot com. Shalom. This is Laser Brody coming at you from Israel's beautiful southern coast. The next best thing to cruising with me along the waves of the Mediterranean is cruising with me along the airwaves of Israel National Radio during my new weekly show, Laser Beams, every Tuesday evening at 10 p.m. Israel time at 3 p.m. on the USA East Coast. There'll be plenty of bright beams of inspiration, music, joy, and vitamins for the soul right here at Israel National Radio www.israelnationalradio.com God bless and we hope to see you all real soon.